Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. This will help people who are perhaps in highly toxic breakups where there is no willingness or no interest in actually cooperating. Welcome back to another episode of the Menopause Coach Podcast. I have a very, very special guest with me today. Her name is Kathy McDonald. And for those of you that are familiar with Kathy, you are going to be screaming internally at listening to this episode. <laughs> Kathy's joining us with her expertise and knowledge for the next 45 minutes or so. And we're going to be going into the art of communication, a really big one that I know a lot of you are going to resonate with and take a lot away from. So Cathy is a former Police Scotland officer. She served with Tayside Police and Police Scotland for over 30 years. And where this becomes really important is because she spent much of her service deployed as a hostage and crisis negotiator, which is really incredible and quite like, wow, <laughs> to hear. So a hostage <laughs> and crisis negotiator, responsible for a lot of trainings within this space. And you've got a lot of international colleagues and clients right now, haven't you, Cathy? Yeah, it's amazing how the world opens up, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of these things where when I first um, when I first came across you, this was probably what, three, maybe three and a half years ago. I was just absolutely yeah. blown away with understanding communication. And for those of you that have not yeah. listened to the first episode that Kathy and I recorded, it was over on my previous podcast, The Body Positive Mum. We are making it available to you as a session um, for this podcast as well. So you can pull it all together. This session today that we have got planned for you is going to be electric within the space of communication. So I'm going to hand over to Kathy and we're going to go through this with you because I find that a lot of my clients, but also the ladies that I speak with, will at points highlight where they feel that they do not have a voice. And this can be something that can come about through menopause because of a lot of changing hormone profiles, because we maybe aren't really stepping into our true self. Anything for an easy life, just stay quiet, I won't raise it. So going through this episode today with Kathy on the art of communication, we have something very special planned for you where we're going to understand a bit around what communication really is. So that's maybe my first question, Kathy, if we can start there, is understanding communication is vast, right? It's bigger than just the words that we speak. Massively so. And in fact, part of the complication is if you think of it, the words we speak they have a dictionary definition, but they don't always mean it. Um, we interpret things and a dirty coffee cup in the sink isn't just a dirty coffee cup in the sink. It's a representation of somebody doesn't care about me, somebody's left that behind, I'm getting taken a loan of, I'm always getting left to this. So dirty coffee cup, if you look in the dictionary, says that, you know, a cup that's needing washed or whatever it would say. Um, but it's not, it means so much more. And that's just a coffee cup in the sink that your kids have left behind and it irritates you. So yeah, communication is layered. And even just asking that, if you look at the definition of communication, it makes it sound very simple, but it's incredibly layered because it's attached to us as human beings and we are layered and complex. 
I suppose, just as a kickstart, painting the picture of communication as to why I think there are sometimes complications with it, is that communication is seldom taught as a subject. Unless you, within to your professional life or you specialise within that area of business or study, communication is just a means of connection, of um, speaking or writing, you know, exchanging information. And it evolves. If you think of it, babies um, can communicate before we even have words and then they find words and then we mirror each other, we parrot fashion and then we learn as we go along. And what happens is it just sort of evolves. We learn stuff as we go and we work out what works for us and we work out what doesn't. And we end up tending to stick with a bundle of stuff that serves us well or is easy for us. But there's a whole load of other stuff and that's probably where I'm going to come in today. I have what I call a Mary Poppins bag, you know, one of these bags you open up Mm. and there's so many things in it. I have a version of that in communication and what's in that bag is probably a whole load of stuff that would be quite helpful in terms of tactics and you know hints and tips that perhaps we have parked because we've never really had to use it or it doesn't feel right. So even something as difficult as a challenging conversation, well, it's challenging because we're avoiding it. And I, and I can give you a whole load of science as to why we're doing that. And then, of course, you have communication. Well, what is it? And usually people say, oh, it's listening, it's, um, it's talking. But actually, as you say, go right back to the beginning there, it's more than just words in a dictionary. It is what we say, how we say it, and actually how we move. That non-verbal communication or body language that we speak about, which is actually fueled by emotion. And emotion is a massive foundation of communication. The way that we feel dictates the words we use, the pace, pitch and tone at which we speak, how we move, the facial expressions, the hand gestures, and actually our ability and our desire to listen is entirely influenced by the intensity of emotion that we have. And then emotion works quicker than logic. So even though you know something and you feel, you know, something, I should have a conversation about that. Actually, the way you feel will change things because emotion will win the day every single time. So, yeah, there is a lot of complication about communication, but it's fascinating as well. And it's fun. It doesn't have to be stuffy and, and you know, and heavy or anything else. And I hope um, I can bring that to you. I think then if I may start with and I'm going to pull this in from case studies almost of clients that I work with now, but also ladies that I've spoken with that just reach out because they're lost. They're lost because they don't know who they are. They're lost because they don't know how to communicate that effectively. And maybe it might help if we do kind of put some context around this in a bit of a case study profile then, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't just become so vague. Because you mentioned there around um, emotion will always work quicker than logic. And that is because we are highly attuned emotional beings. We may see something that triggers us. We may hear something that triggers us. And one thing actually that stands out for me from our last podcast episode together that I've actually taken through into how I've communicated for the last few years with my own children, with my husband, with clients even, is about the word you and how powerful that word can be but actually how destructive it can be in a conversation so do you want to maybe just give us a little refresh on when we use the word you because this was something that really stuck with me and I just thought oh my goodness this is powerful so for anyone listening new the power of you in communication 
I suppose I'm going to mix it up with another couple of words as well. We speak about you messages, I messages and we messages. And if you think of it, how often we use these words in everyday conversation, um, not fully appreciating the impact that they have. And the reason that you is powerful is that as soon as you mention you, it's as good as using someone's name. It makes whatever you're about to say quite personal. So a you message attached to something positive um, will always go down well. Well, we bring a family situation, teenagers. I, I imagine maybe some of your clients will have teenagers and they come in late at night and maybe um, they've caused you worry and whatever else. Now, a positive you message for your kids will probably be, you're amazing, you're dedicated, you work hard at school, um, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. All these things are positive and you can imagine the reactions will be, oh, right, okay. But what about this coming in late at night? You come in late at night, you treat this house as a hotel, you know, or something along these lines. You weren't taught that way. You make us worry. Suddenly, if you is attached to something negative, it brings very distinct responses. And that is either going to be defensive or it's like fight or flight, defensive or walk away. So don't be surprised if there's a, a negative you message deliver and what you get back is, well, what do you expect, Lois, a mum like you? What do you expect? I'm this and I'm that and this is a pain and you deliberately make my life difficult. You And you get a you message back, which then in turn triggers you into being hurt or angry or frustrated. And then it's just conflict. So a negativity attached to a you message will create conflict, will create friction, will bring, bring defensive behaviour, or they might just walk away, stomp upstairs in the half and not speak for a day. So does that mean we can't talk about something negative? Well, absolutely not. It's essential that we do. But here's the art, just by changing the word you into an I. An I message forces the other person to consider things from the I perspective. And nobody can argue with an I message because it's from the I. So instead of saying you're in late, you treat this house as a tell, you're, um, you know, you're smoking, you're drinking, you cause us worry, flip that round into how it impacts on uh, yourselves. And instead it might be, I'm finding it really difficult to know how to, um, to approach this subject with you. I'm worried when you come in late at night because, you know, anything could have happened. And I know you're a young adult. I know that you want to spread your wings, but I'm worrying. I'm your mum. And I worry that the knock at the door at two o'clock in the morning won't be you. It'll be a police officer. It'll be somebody telling me bad news. So you can see already by bringing in the I message and conveying what your frustrations, angers or worries are, it can open up a conversation. And because it's not accusatory to the other person, it might even, you hope, trigger them to think, oh, I didn't know I was causing my mum that difficulty. I didn't realise it was like that. Even if it's not in that moment, there's a, a, a seed planted that they can, can think about. So that I message is incredibly important for anything that you feel may be taken as a criticism. And to be on, honest, in business, let's face it, we can sometimes say things with the best of intention. The sender message receiver and the response we get suggests that it hasn't landed in the way we intended. So if ever you have somebody who is defensive or goes silent, there's a little hint in there that whatever they've, they've taken from what you've said is taken as a criticism and you have immediate opportunity to repair that. Even just a simple phrase to say, actually, I don't think that's landed the way I intended. I'm sorry if that, you know, it, it doesn't seem quite right. Let me rephrase that. Or what was about, you know, I noticed that 
actually we were chatting away quite well there and I've said something that's dampened it. What what happened? Talk me through that, please. So that's quite a handy awareness thing as well. Defensiveness means personal attack, whether you intended it or not. But bring it back to one that you know could be considered a personal attack, which is when you're addressing behaviour, maybe inappropriate behaviour within a family, then that iMessage will do you well. The other one is the we message, and that is affiliation. One of the human needs that we need is connection. And if there's connection, communication flows far better than when there's not connection. So what are we going to do about this? Can we talk about it? Is a really nice way of saying, okay, we're in it together and we're going to have this conversation. Asking permission, can we talk about this? is actually another thing that we require as human beings, which is to feel in control. And by asking someone, can we talk about it? You're giving them the choice rather than dictating, we're going to talk about this now. Can we talk about it? Um, I think it'd be helpful, you know, and especially if you've got, I mean, teenagers all want to be adults and they're learning their way there. So if you can talk to them adult to adult and even signpost that and say, okay, adult to adult then, man to man, woman to man, let's have a conversation. Can we talk about this? That sort of phrasing, so the power within the words and how you put them together will bring very particular responses. So the we message is there. Now, there's one other thing attached to that that, um, if I may, might be helpful. It's a very typical negotiator tactic. And that is, if there's a problem, we separate the person from the problem and we talk about the problem as a thing. And if we can talk about the problem as a thing, it actually makes it more comfortable for everyone to talk about it because it doesn't attach it to anyone. So it might be this coming in at two o'clock, the smoking, the drinking, the late nights. Now you can see it's just the it's not attached to anyone. The smoking, the drinking, the late nights, the, the, the coming in late and the doorbell going at two o'clock in the morning. And then add in the iMessage. I'm worried when that all happens. I'm a bit lost as to how best to sort it. Could we have a chat about this? Adult to adult, because that's what you are. You know, you're not a kid anymore. Can we have a talk, talk about this? Maybe not now, but let's sit down over a cup of tea tomorrow and, and go over it. Please, that please and the thank yous, absolutely essential. And that builds into another one of the five things that we need as uh, human beings. Uh, The other one is appreciation. And if we can say the please and thank yous, it fulfills people's need to feel valued and appreciated. So there's a whole bundle of stuff in there um, from that Mary Poppins bag just attached to these words that can bring very different reactions from people. Oh, it's so amazing, honestly. Absolutely nodding away here with you right now because it's just something that as soon as you place all of that together and it's just hit again for me to think, how do we not get taught this? How do you know it's oh, the psychology of how the human brain works because mm-hmm. emotion will always overpower logic, like you've said at the start. So this whole psychology of how the human brain works, how we perceive can be different, how we see <laughs> can be different and a lot of it is we we find that a lot of this is triggered from even childhood so when we go back into any childhood trauma that you've maybe faced with a language tone with you know for some people it could be that ver- non-verbal finger pointing or wagging something has been said or done as a child and you think oh no oh no, I'm back in that bubble of unhappiness. So I'm not going Mm -hmm. to communicate with this person. I'm going to step back and pull away from this person. But what you've just said there, so 
um, hopefully I relay this back properly if I've listened correctly, mm-hmm. is about being able to detach and use the. So make the situation a thing. Yeah, the smoking, the drinking, the constant I hate Jews, you're the worst mum. My kids don't smoke and drink, but they do the latter. <laughs> the hate Jews, the, you're the worst, these all come up. But it's been able to then say, adding in the I message. And this probably goes into, if we think about flipping this from just being in the family life, but it could also be for, you know, workspace. This could be in that corporate setting as well, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's been a project or whether it's been something that's been happening with um, a role and responsibility definition that's unclear. You know, there's so many things that this can fit into. And even in marriages, right, this can be a really art Mm -hmm. and beautiful communication tool for in marriages. So thinking the I and the you. So the situation Mm -hmm. that happened... I was made to feel or I felt very worried when you said that. Can I make an invitation that we have a talk about it when you're ready? So that, again, even though deep down we might want to have that conversation straight away and say, oh, my God, Kathy, what you've just done there really pissed me off. That really upset me because you made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. We're actually lifting ourselves out of the emotion for a moment and saying, Kathy, when you said that, I felt a little I bit uneasy. Can, can we talk about it? Are you open to that communication with me on it? Mm-hmm. It's powerful, really powerful. And I think it is. And part of this is finding the words that reflect you personally, you know, using the dialogue, using the language and the sort of the way that you talk, keeping it natural and not just taking out of a, like my Barry Poppins bag or a, using words that don't f- sit right. And it would be a m- matter of practising. And even when you were speaking about a work setting and even in a meeting, imagine, and this is something that used to happen to me, um, where I was in a very male-orientated career and it wouldn't be surprised to be the only female within a meeting or a briefing or a situation. Now, they didn't deliberately leave me out, not deliberately, but culturally and just how they ticked. Often there would be high-level conversations, and because I was little, because I was female, uh, I'm, I'm imagining that's why. But I wouldn't always be heard. Now it was quite frustrating, and of course it's not just not being heard; it's what my brain then tells me that means. Oh, I'm not important. They don't care. Now that is rubbish, but that's the way my brain was going. But even things you can imagine the response of I say, "You don't let me speak at the meetings." That you message would just create, well, you never want to speak at the meetings. It would just be friction. So no, it's, I'm finding it difficult to get my voice heard here. I'm not sure how to pitch it, but I've got something important to contribute. You know, something like that, Mm. just as an iMessage, it's not confrontational. It's not an argument. It's just using that to to pop in. In an iMessage, I, when, because, I feel this way when that happens and if you can give a bit of an explanation then the because or the you know the reason for it can sometimes help people see it as well the example that you've given there is around you know in a workplace because I'm sure even those ladies that are listening to this episode right now who are in corporate or maybe self-employed it's it's the communication tones that we use so can you maybe give us a little insight into how we can maybe deal with conflict or difficult conversations. And this 
Again, just mm-hmm. for context, it might be in a professional setting, but it might actually be within a personal setting with a partner, with someone that yeah. we're finding that there's a breakdown in relationships. You know, the, what we tend to find as well in um, our kind of perimenopause into menopause years is that we go through a lot of changes in our own bodies. We can find that when we were maybe once quite confident and extroverted that we all of a sudden become very self-conscious that confidence drops the you know the lack of awareness of who we are disappears and and we start to become a shell of who we were so the communication that we once were maybe really quite good at can drop off Mm -hmm. and we start to find that those relationships around us are fractured Mm -hmm. and fragile as a result so maybe you know if we can go into this in a form of whether it's a professional setting or a personal setting, how we can deal with that conflict, that confrontation a little bit when we have that inner lack of communication contact. You mentioned difficult and challenging conversations and also conflict. Um, There's sort of, although one can be the other, it can also, there are some people out there that love conflict and they don't see it as a difficult conversation. So I think if we deal with both of them separately, um, I'll just give a quick overview. When we speak about difficult conversations or challenging conversations, I'm going to take it back a little bit. In life, and and actually right at the foundation of our communication framework that we use within negotiation is a thing called the law of approach and the law of avoid. And that actually dictates everything um, right from the start. We did a great deal of work to try and encourage people to approach us, to want to work uh, with us and cooperation. And it's a simple law, you know, what do you like in life and what do you dislike in life? You'll find that you approach and you invest time, energy, effort into the things you like because of the way it makes you feel. And you avoid things you don't because of the way it makes you feel. So if you like sunny days, walks in the country with friends, you will want to spend time, effort, energy. You'll get excited about it. You'll mark a bit in your diary. You'll, you know, you'll go to some effort. If you don't like busy traffic city centres, you'll avoid them at all costs. You'll find different routes. That's the idea of it. And if you take that into people, we approach the people we like, we avoid the people we don't. And into conversations, We approach the conversations we like and we avoid the conversations we don't. Now, if we were free to approach the things we like in life, including people in conversations, and avoid all the ones we don't, we never have to have a challenge, ever, because we just walk away. Easy. And there'll actually be some stage at life where you're going to be able to do that. I'm a little bit at that myself now, and it's quite a freeing feeling to go... I don't think I want to do that. Thank you very much. But that's not business and it's not real life, is it? We have to approach things that we don't particularly like, approach and work with people we don't particularly like and have conversations we don't particularly like. So what happens is a challenging person situation conversation is simply something we want to avoid, but we can't without a consequence. So if we avoid having that conversation with our kids about them, leaving their bedrooms in a mess um, with our husband about the tone that he takes with us, uh, with our colleagues about the way that they, you know, how they work and how, you know, makes you feel excluded. If suddenly we avoid them, we don't get it sorted. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And what you've done is created something that actually enables people to continue Why do people say what they say and do what they do? Because they can and because it works. And if they couldn't or it didn't work, they wouldn't act that way. So if ever you're around someone who you feel they always talk to me that way or they always treat me that way, 
Well, actually, there's a little bit of your reaction to that is enabling them to continue. Now, you're not at fault. There's no fault or blame attached to this. It's just the way we're wired as human beings. And we used to speak about people as like puzzles, escape rooms. And if you could work out the why, what are they getting out of that? Even when people were an ass, Adele, you might in your head go, how come you can mm -hmm. be such an ass? I bet you have to practice that. You know, that's what's going on internally. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you're not far off the mark. Yeah, they are probably well practiced. And you know what? It works for them. And if it works for them, why should they change it? It would be a stupid thing to change if they've got a strategy that works. The next thing is, are they aware that they're doing that and making you feel that way? Or maybe they're oblivious to it and they just would be appreciate having their eyes open. So when it comes to challenges, let's bring all that way back. When it comes to challenging conversations, it's really good to say, how come that's challenging? What is it about that? situation, person or conversation that makes me want to walk away. So what happens is when mm. there's cooperation, when we create approach, communication flows as if it's on a slide. It slides back and forward very comfortably. And just think about someone who you really get on well with and you love chatting with. Think how easy that conversation flows. And you can talk about anything, even the difficult stuff. Now think about people in your life who you never want to see again. And it's actually okay. There are 7.9 billion people on this planet. We can't all get on and that's all right. Disagreeing is okay. But think about someone that you think, I never want to see them again. I never want to be in that situation again. That's actually complete avoidance, in which case communication can't flow at all. Then you have the difficult part, the challenging one. So Adele, you and I, Maybe we don't like each other, we don't like what each other stands for, but we have to work with each other. We're forced into conversation, which means I call that mm. jaggy. Communication does go between us, but it doesn't flow comfortably. It's jaggy, which means that we will catch the bits that we want to catch. And if I'm having a bad day and don't like you, I will catch the bits that you say that allow my belief to think you're a bad person. I won't actually hear your full context. I think that it's, it's very, very intriguing. It is fascinating. It still excites me. I mean, in years down the line, in fact, decades down the line, I still have this little buzz when a little communication nugget takes away the knot in somebody's belly or unnecessary anxiety, genuine anxiety, but it can just with one little phrase or an understanding can actually undo that knot. And it's lovely to be able to share little tactics that help. So if we, we go back to the challenge, I would ask anyone to think if, they, if they're avoiding something that they know they should address, have a think of why. What is it about that situation that makes you want to walk away? And is it valid? Or is it your brain doing its thing, which is finding lots of reasons not to, so that it protects you and gives you a good, you know, a dignified out why not? What I will say, without going into every possible difficult conversation, because it'll be very diff different for everyone, is that the thought of having a difficult conversation is always worse than actually having it. But what does mm -hmm. help is the planning, the preparation, finding the words, um, um, so that when you do decide to have that conversation, it actually, you feel a bit, little bit more empowered. You don't feel as if you're a victim going into a, a, you know, a conflict situation. You actually feel that you're ready to take control and deal with it. The same as you would if you were negotiating a deal or, you know, you're having to fight for your team for extra resources or finance. It's a little bit the same. Um, you prepare, you plan, and then you're ready to deliver. And communication is the same. And in negotiation, believe me, 
the, the first words we had with um, a hostage, with a person in crisis, with a hostage taker, it was not the first time we'd anticipated or practised having that conversation. We would have that conversation with each other. We would say, right, what are my first words going to be? How does it feel? Oh, my word, I don't do this. You know, and you would go back and forward. And I don't want to call it role play because everybody hates role play, but it's called practice. Practice mm -hmm. what you're going to say. Practice in the mirror. The same as if you were for an interview, you would practice. Probably in the shower, you'd practice your conversations back and forward. You know, that idea, it's the same. Prepare. So that's a little package for challenging conversations. Recognise why it's challenging. Analyse, is that a valid thing or have I created it? Is it disproportionate to the real reason? Um, and then whatever it is, plan, prepare and then practise so that you can deliver. But then we're going to come back to the conflict mm. part. And actually what I do with groups is I usually get them to say, right, have a chat about what really troubles you. What causes you sleepless nights, the anxiety, makes you want to walk away or takes up a disproportionate amount of time in your day that you think this is more than it needs. Talk about them because let's bring them to the fore and have them at the point of conversation. And then as I go through whatever work I'm doing, there'll be a little nuggets in there that help them make sense of it. And then we always come back to it and say, right, here's some specific tactics you can use. One of these things that comes up consistently is conflict. I don't like conflict. I walk away from mm. conflict. I avoid conflict. And what that happens is that I can't, you know, once we go into what happens when you avoid the conflict is that I don't really get to be myself. And it's coming right back to what you said at the beginning in that I'm not true to myself. I'm not getting my voice heard. I feel that I have to absorb. Um, I'm not, the, I'm not, as confident and as strong as I want to be in that situation. So the easy life, if you think the avoidance, means that I'll just absorb it. The consequence of not having that conversation is that I have to absorb it and react and deal and feel the way I do. So conflict, this is, an, this is one actually, it's not too difficult to give you some tactics here. If we can go back to the 7.9 billion people there are things that are very predictable about us, but they're actually, we're all unique, every single person. And I'd like you to imagine that you're born, the day you're born and take that first breath, you're born into your bubble. It is fresh, it's new, and there's nothing in there but you. Then life starts and every experience you have, everything you see, you hear, you taste, every single sense shapes that bubble. And every life experience you have it helps you develop yourself in what you value in life, what you believe in, what you need and what you want. And now here we are, however many years ahead, still in that bubble. No one else is in there with us. We are in there on our own with every single moment of our life shaping it. That means that no one on this planet has the same bubble as you. No one sees life or understands it in exactly the same way as you do. And if you've ever been in a situation where you thought, why can't they see this? Why, why can't they get what, where I'm coming from? Because they can't, because they're not you. Well, that makes us very different. And it does mean that we're more likely to have differences than we are similarities. Of course, there's a lot of things within our bubbles that connect us. And if you think of who your best friends are, who you've chosen to spend your life with, who your real sense of belonging is with. If you were to dissect the bubbles, you would find that there's actually a lot of things you have in common. 
And it might not be the, the things like hobbies and interests, but it will be the beliefs and the values, respect and honesty, integrity, looking out for each other. There'll be things there that really bond you. And that is the similarities in our bubble connecting. And that, if you think of it, law of approach, law of avoidance, that's an approach and that makes communication flow really well. However, there's a whole load of stuff that we don't see the same way. Just take the extremes that we've seen politically, COVID, uh, globally, we've got wars. What's going on there is conflict. And actually, it all comes down to people seeing things in different ways and no willingness to consider the other person's perspective and to adapt and to embrace. Every conflict comes down to I'm right and I'm right in my bubble and I want everybody else to see and experience and work around what I value, believe, need and want. And if we're so self-absorbed, it means that conflict will happen because we're not open to the fact that other people have different experiences and see the world in a different light. So if we know from these bubbles that it's natural to disagree, it's natural to have different experiences, the difference between conflict and disagreement is interest. Genuine interest, appropriate curiosity as to why someone else sees something a particular way. So an immediate tactic to avoid conflict isn't to rise to the fact that the other person is so different and even strong in their views. It's actually to remember the puzzle, go, how come? So if I have a boss that comes to me and says, mm. Kathy, you're getting no resources, no increase in staff, but I expect you to do 50% extra work and I expect you to work five hours. And what I really want to do is, you arrogant ass, you have no idea how hard we're working. How do we do that? You know, it, it's so annoying. Instead of that, go, okay, for that person to say and do what they've just done must make sense in their bubble and they must think it's okay. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saying it and doing it. My job is to work out why, how come? Mm -hmm. So I might say, okay, what I have from there is that in summary, more hours, more work, less resources, and you want the same results. Is that what I'm hearing? So I reflect back and what I always reflect back on is the facts because no one can argue with facts, can they? Especially if you actually mirror the facts they've just brought to you. Where the difficulty will come in is if I give an opinion on that point or I, a judgmental remark, you know, a throwaway comment, these throwaway comments that we always feel taste good, you know, the ones that end up in an argument, mm -hmm. but when they, when they come off your tongue, you think, oh, that tasted quite good. And then two seconds later, you think, oh, ouch, I need to go and repair that. So if, I if we take that situation, I would return the facts and say, okay, let me check what I'm hearing is you want us to do this, this and this, less resources, and you want the same result. Is that what I'm hearing? And double check your understanding. And that's where the joy of the I messages come in. And you can say, I'm finding it difficult mm. to see how to achieve all of that. But tell me, how do you, you know, how are you seeing it? How are you working it out? Can you talk me through how you've come up to that, you know, that solution? Because as soon as somebody tells you something or directs you, that's actually a solution to a problem. And it's probably a solution that makes sense in their bubble and they won't see anything else. What you want to do is by t starting at what their solution is, which is give me more for less, you can say, 
-hmm. How come that's a solution for you? Can you talk me through that? And when you talk back the layers, you might find that, well, you know, I don't have any other route to go. I don't have time to think about anything. And actually, I'm getting pressure from politically pressure or political pressure, or I'm getting pressure from there. And you can then get a little insight as to the why and then be genuine. Mm -hmm. Talk me through that then. Because I'll tell you right now, what you've just said is really difficult for me to deliver. And I find myself wondering how on earth. Now, this is where you find the things you agree on and say, what we both want is a good product, a good service, a good whatever it is. You will all both be working to the same thing. That's where to start. We both want this. But in our own worlds, in, a, in our own roles, in our own departments, we see it differently. Maybe there's scope to properly discuss this back and forward so we can maybe come up with something that suits us both, that meets your needs, meets our needs, and actually is a bit more palatable than you know, dictating that the same people who have been giving me everything for the last three weeks are now going to be expected to give me more. So I hope that little scenario has helped put some of these things in place. But in summary, it is whenever you're in conflict, recognise it as being strong views of people operating from their own bubbles that they're familiar with. And it's actually very easy. People who consistently conflict with others are accustomed to doing it because they usually get what they want. Few people will unravel conflict in that way. And it'll be a surprise to the other mm -hmm. person because usually when I shout and demand and stamp my feet, people just do. Suddenly, if they can't yeah. do that anymore, you have a little things in there that'll unravel it and you can open up conversation. And suddenly you'll find that there's no conflict. It's actually curiosity and interest. Now, of course, there's maybe bits of that where they will still dictate. And I can give you a few more things there, but I think I've talked enough on that part. I find it all vastly fascinating. And I'm sure those listening to it now will be thinking about, oh, do you know that I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this. And the tools that we can take away and put in our toolbox from this session, just around, you know, the, the art of how we communicate, understanding that it comes from our values and beliefs play a massive role. So there's that whole ingrained mm -hmm. psychology and that element of us becoming us we should never apologize for that we have our values and beliefs and they are strong but it's how we then communicate that without causing conflict which has been quite a big yeah. thing for me listening to what you've been saying um, and I've written the word narcissist down because I think this is one where <laughs> whilst you've been talking I've been thinking about how you know this can become quite challenging when we are then trying to avoid any further conflict or any further aggression or anger that can come from situations where narcissistic behaviours are involved because we aren't ever going to be able in a short conversation mm -hmm. to overcome where a narcissist always believes they're correct, always wants to have the end goal as to what they want. Yeah. I suppose this is where we come up against a further challenge and we we either have those with family members or we have those in our, our corporate life or business life. So mm -hmm. I definitely, definitely feel that from my perspective here and for those that are listening, that this has been valuable and appreciating that being able to use the I message first rather than mm -hmm. why would you say that to me or why would you make me do this or I'm not doing it because it's about putting it and reframing it back to I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're asking me for. Can I 
find out why. So why do we, why do you feel that that's going to be the best? Mm-hmm. And even bringing it out of the corporate world into the personal life, if it's between, you know, partnerships or relationships that we're able to have these conversations where maybe marriages are fractured, it can be quite challenging then to have those conversations quite clearly with both parties being heard and listened to. You're speaking about narcissist and I suppose it's actually probably quite important to highlight what we mean by that just so that we know that we're speaking about the Mm -hmm. same thing. And for me, that is somebody that's in, that's actually, it's not just somebody who's disagreeing, it's somebody and someone who needs to feel status empowerment. It's actually gone beyond the the natural and proportionate levels. It is a deep-seated, maybe even psychological uh, flaw. Yeah, I would call it a flaw. Yes, I'll put my, I think it's unhelpful. (laughs) Sometimes if you deal with extremes, so we are speaking at high level conflict, constant conflict, it doesn't matter what you say and do, there is still, you know, you've tried all the things that I have explained here and it still doesn't work. They're actually in a little category of their own. And when you were speaking about that, I thought I need to bring up a reference that you can look at. And this will help people who are perhaps in highly um, toxic breakups where there is no willingness or no um, interest in actually cooperating. Now, you would hope in a breakup, mm. particularly if there's children or, you know, there's there's joint things or situations or people that bond you, that that's your commonality. What we do and how we get on is important for the family, for the children, for whatever. And on that basis, you mm. find some form of relationship. And I mean, it's, it's lovely quite often to see... Um, exes who are start actually still on respectful and good terms working it out but I'm very conscious that isn't always the case so if you're dealing with somebody mm-hmm. who is you feel is a, a narcissist we actually put that label although we never label people we, we we're going to put that label on now it's an unhealthy level of control have a look at a thing called Biff it is by a chap called Bill Eddy We will make sure that there is a link in the show notes so people can access. He actually concentrates on, for example, if you say sorry to 98% of the population, look, I'm sorry that came across, they would take that as an apology and it would fit into um, appreciation. And it's a connector, like, I'm sorry that came across wrong. For a narcissist, a real narcissist, if you apologise, that won't come across as appreciation. It'll come, da- it'll, come, it'll come down to an admission of fault. So it's really important when you're maybe dealing with a different category of person. Because the first time I heard Bill Eddy speak, and he says, oh, I don't always recommend sorry. And I thought, wow, actually, I mean, this was one where I had to open myself because I think sorry has always worked for us so well. With everyone or the majority of people we've dealt with, why would you not say sorry? And I really had to, from my bubble, not conflict with it and not immediately want to contradict. I mean, he's incredible. Uh, I think he's a professor, actually. He's an incredible man. And I thought, how come? It was my escape room puzzle. I was going, how come you don't say sorry? What's this about? And it's a very niche group that he speaks of, and it's this high conflict. And Biff is something that he's created, which is when you're responding to someone who is a narcissist who is high conflicting person, you keep it brief, you keep it informative, you keep it firm and you keep it fair. You don't go into 
any other elaborate stuff. But he's really good if, if anyone has the unfortunate situation that they're dealing with high conflict with really difficult people who you don't feel are going to respond to anything that is compassionate or connecting and that I've just spoken about today, then that might be your added little jigsaw puzzle that would be helpful. I think this is it. So being brief, informative, firm and fair, I like that because we've all dealt with these individuals for sure. And narcissistic behavior can be very disruptive and work life but also very much in family life as well so appreciating your boundaries this is something that I um, work very deeply with my ladies on and it's appreciating how we approach our own individual selves so how we get to know who we are inside our values our boundaries our our joy moments our happiness our beliefs understanding where all of that is gives us that bubble right that gives us who we are and then appreciating that others and this is the sad truth. Others are not aware of what their values and beliefs and happiness and joy moments are, which can lead them to very much being that conflict state of response. So if we do come up against, and I think about, you know, if we're in public, for example, and someone barges past you and they don't apologize, when you're in your happy state and you're really connected with you, you can see that they're not. So rather than the whole, retaliation of why did you do that why did you not apologize it's actually being okay with the fact that they've done that because you know that they're not in a very happy place and that's where I do a lot of work in that space and that's where we get to really then use our communication sometimes by not saying or doing anything that's an option maybe we we just accept that this individual is not listening because that art to communication also involves listening right Oh, massively so. And when when I'm coaching on communication, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy. And I say, well, is it proportionate? Is the effort that you're going to put into this proportionate to what you want to get out? Every conversation needs a purpose. What is that purpose? And if you don't know the purpose, you might actually start on a conversation. Like somebody barges past you. There, there's two types of conversation. There's spontaneous and there's planned. Spontaneity always brings emotional reactions. And remember, emotion is just the way we work. And sometimes we will actually react to that person barging past us. If I had two minutes to think about it, I'd absorb it and let it go. But because it's just happened, your emotion kicks in and you might go, ass. <laughs> you, you don't know. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's spontaneous. The emotion does its thing. But you're right. Um, there are times where you can just go, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And just accept yeah. that you don't always have to have an opinion. You don't always have to be the rescuer. A lot of ladies, is particularly if your role over the years has been a nurturing role to look after, protect, I'm thinking kids, to set them on the right path, juggle a lot of things. Suddenly your role, which is one of the fourth thing that we need as human behavior, in terms of predictable human behavior, we need to know what our, our job is. We need to know our role, what we stand for. And actually is very, we, we are, we're content and happy when we understand our role in life, what our goals are, what our reputation is, that we meet these, what we say, what we do, everything, every fibre of our being um, supports who we are. And it makes everybody else around us happy when they know, understand who we are. So if you think of it, while you're nurturing and, you know, and, and supporting and doing all that, that's the role that you are recognised for and then you act. It makes everybody feel comfortable. But a thing you said right at the beginning is that 
we change as we as we grow and you'll change the way you were as a kid is not the way you were as a teenager is not the way you were in your 20s and so it continues on and that change sometimes we need to help people open their eyes to the fact that I'm not the same as I was five years ago and when we don't understand why we're not the same as we were five years ago it's incredibly annoying but if you think of it the role what is my role what am i working on what do i want in life what do i want to be recognized for we actually have to set you know sit in our own space and think well what is it i'm about and i think i'm probably at the age group with maybe many of your clients where i have come through that as well and you'd be amazed that out of all the work that i've done over the years self-assured confidence strong and all that sort of thing that in the last five years, I've had moments of feeling isolated, lost, um, lack of confidence and all. Uh, I'm lucky I've got a husband who says, what's this about? I don't get it. Tell me. And I'm so sorry you're experiencing mm -hmm. that. And I think the, the biggest thing I said to him was, I don't feel like myself and I can't explain it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I don't feel like myself and I want to try and find out what that is. Now, I'm lucky he's on board with me and he's intrigued by this stage of life as I am. Going, it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Weird how Mother Nature does stuff. And we have a little bit of a joke. I'm saying Mother Nature turns you into Richard Gere and turns me into old Mother Riley. <laughs> it's just unfair that you're becoming more debonair and more grey and sophisticated. And I don't feel I'm going that way. So we have a bit of a laugh about it. But I think communication, being able to, you have to have vulnerability and trust with anyone you're going to open up to that with. But if you have somebody who can mm. sort of help you and say, well, what do you see when you look at me then? And my husband was able to say, I don't see anybody any different. You're a bit ditzy at times. You leave your keys, you lose your phone and the washing up liquid ended up in the fridge one day. He says, there are little changes I see, but I still see and respect and regard you for the strong, confident smart woman that I married. He says, I don't see that difference. And even that was actually really good to hear because I thought the way I feel on the inside is not actually conveyed completely on the outside. Now, I hope that's okay to share that. Maybe that's a bit self-indulgent, but I'm not sitting here on a pedestal that almost perfect whose life's all, you know, aligned. I'm finding my way through this stage as well. But what I have to my advantage is I have the communication background that allows me to have the confidence to actually bring the topics up. A small part of, of what I absolutely love doing within this space is understanding, you know, why. The why around. Why have, why have they responded that way? Why have they felt that way? You know, why does some people manage to gravitate and nav navigate their life in this very happy-go-lucky, you know, manana, everything's lovely, and others the slightest thing will trigger them. And I think this is where that inner work becomes a really core part in all of this, that purpose. You know, that you mentioned purpose. You mentioned that we need connection. We need to have this appreciation. We also need to have this purpose and, and awareness of who we are and what we stand for. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people will have heard me speak in the past about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that whole psychology around what we need to have in place to be able to thrive, to survive, but also then to reach that self-actualization part at the top of that pyramid. And some of this will resonate with individuals that say, I'm struggling through my marriage or I'm struggling with my children. And my hope for all of this is that they come away with an awareness that actually there is an art mm -hmm. to communication and it's okay not to know 
how, but knowing that there's individuals like yourself that people can come to. And we'll obviously pop the show notes towards that reference for Biff and we'll pop um, Kathy's website into the show notes for you all because it is phenomenal what she has on there to support with navigating through some difficult conversations or situations. And I think of anything, if I can just say one thing, it would be that, and I say this to my ladies over and over again, that what we feel in ourselves is always relevant. Okay, so for women navigating through menopause, we can literally wake up one day and think, oh, I just don't feel great. I don't feel myself. I don't feel very confident today. I don't feel very motivated today. I feel quite fractured in who I am. And the longer that we allow that and internalize it without verbalizing it, that's where it grows and it it kind of feeds from itself. So it's about being aware that how you feel is relevant. Okay, if that's a, I feel very low today, it's communicating that to those around you that you hold dear and near and knowing that that vulnerability is your power, knowing that you can speak up in a workplace setting, having somebody that you can go to and say, just so you're aware, not feeling the best just now, just making you aware of that. That's not a weakness, it's a power. It's a power on recognizing that that's how and who you are at that point. And that's communication. Beautifully summed up, Adele. Your ladies are lucky to have you and Mm -hmm. to have each other. It must be a very empowering and um, strong group, actually. Um, So congratulations on what you're doing. And I really appreciate you. And I'm honoured that you asked me to come and deliver um, some snippets on the podcast that might feel helpful. So thank you. You have helped me massively with my own family, with my own children. And, you know, if I was to leave on one final note, it would be around the fact that when I started my early perimenopause journey, not knowing that that's what it was initially, I had a very kind of fragile relationship with friends, a fragile relationship with my husband and with my children. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of aggression inside and that's not who I am. And it caused a lot of detachment from my inner self. Yeah, I was very frightened. I hated who I was becoming. And it's appreciating that that wasn't through anything that, and if you're listening to this thinking, yep, that's me right now. That wasn't through anything that I had or had not done. It was through the changes in my hormonal profile. Okay, as estrogen drops in our bodies, we have estrogen receptors in every single cell in our organs, in our brain. And as estrogen declines through our perimenopause years, it can have an impact on your emotional regulation, can have an impact on how we feel in ourselves energetically. If we're not sleeping well, then it's this vicious cycle, isn't it? Of not sleeping well, feeling really unrested and restless. We start to feel very vulnerable and then, of course, all, all we need is a, a hormonal teenager in our life to tell us they hate us and we're, we're the worst at what we do for us to believe that. So, again, if you're listening to this and this resonates with you, please know that it's not through something you have or have not done. You are not broken and there is help available for you. You just have to ask. You can drop into my DMs. I'm absolutely positive that Kathy is happy for you to drop into hers as well if there's something come up that you want to ask. And of course, we are here for that. So please know you are not alone. 
we are all in our sisterhood together navigating this stage of life and hopefully Kathy has given you some ideas one nugget even to take away to support you with your communication in your life so Kathy thank you so so much for being here for being present and for sharing your abundance of knowledge and energy with us is there any final words that you would like to leave with us Genuinely, just a thank you for inviting me to, to, to come on and speak. And really, uh, my encouragement for folk just to share. Don't keep this to yourself. And you said something way back that imagine, why don't we teach this? Well, I mean, my it would be amazing if at primary school we taught, and I think it is getting better, to be honest. You'll probably be more connected to that than I am. We taught people how to disagree with dignity, that it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to conflict and fight over it. And if we had generation of kids growing up, could you imagine the politicians in the future? Can you imagine the the CEOs of the future and the you know and the, the the communities we'd have? So yeah, that would be lovely. Of course, that's going to be difficult to achieve. So the best I can do is if there's anything from what I've shared today um, resonates and you feel is helpful, go tell the world, go tell anyone that's around you, and and let that become a bit of a conversation and you don't know where that will springboard into. Um, so, yeah, communication is there to help you. It's fascinating. It's fun. And, uh, yeah, never be stuck. Where can people find you if they want to come and fall into your world right now and learn, continue to learn? My website is probably as good as any. Um, I, I do a masterclass twice a year, although actually I'm beginning. I had a chat last night. I'm thinking of winding the business down next year a little bit. So it might become a masterclass mm. once a year or not at all. But anyway, I do a masterclass if anyone's interested. And it's pretty comprehensive. And it covers everything in depth that we spoke about today, plus a few other things over. It's five weeks online, live on Zoom. Um, option of three different days in the week that you can, in a different time, so you don't have to stick to the same one. We do modules, so we speak about for two hours about one topic, and then there's a task to go away and do before you come back the next time. And it builds up over the five weeks um, into, by the time we're at the end of it, um, we're looking at negotiation, how to deal with lies, challenging conversations, and all that sort of stuff. So that's my world if anybody's interested in it. Um, I honestly don't market and push. It's if you want it, come and see it. If you don't, it's absolutely okay. Um, but that would be where you would be able to get easy access to me is via the website and via the masterclass. Thank you so much. It has been a privilege and honor and very fun to chat this through with you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Adele. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.